Hi, this is Michael, and you're listening to Soma's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It's our vision as a church to help as many people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is a vehicle to further that vision. If the content has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to invite you to join us in helping us reach more people with the message of Jesus through this podcast and all that we do as a church. You can help by giving on our website at soma.church. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday, we'd love to host you. For more information about location and service times, you can visit us at soma.church. Enjoy the message. We're in a season as a church called Christmas at Soma, coming off of At the Movies. How many of y'all enjoyed At the Movies? At the Movies? How many of you missed the popcorn? You know what I'm saying? You missed the popcorn a little bit. But, uh, but it's just a fun season and a lot of life change. I mean, over 50 people. I don't even know the exact number between kids upstairs and youth. I don't have all the final numbers between downstairs and youth yet attached to all the life change that happened just in one series. It's wild to see God move in a, in a powerful way. And we're believing more of the same in this season for Christmas at Soma. We're talking in this series, we're talking good news and great joy. How many of y'all could use some good news? You could use some good news? Four of us. Excellent. Okay. All right. And how many of you just about that great joy? Come on. You want some great joy? Hey. Okay, good. More of you on that one. Okay. So um, that's what this season is all about. It's about good news of great joy. And if you're like me, around this time of year, we run ourselves ragged. We are going from place to place. Okay, cool. Uh, You know, we got to go to this school thing because they have a performance at the school. And then we got this work Christmas party. And, hey, did you pick up the thing? Did you order from Amazon? Do we even have an ugly Christmas sweater? Have I gained seven pounds since Thanksgiving? You know what I'm talking about? And, and it's just insanity. But Christmas is not about the Amazon boxes. Praise God for the UPS and FedEx people in our lives. It's not about the Amazon boxes, although that's great. It's not, a, it, it's not about um, trying to recreate the memories that we try and recreate at Christmas time. Isn't it funny? We always want to, like, go back to that Christmas or those Like, hey, can we take that picture? The kids are getting bigger. We want to do the same thing. And, um, and so it's not about nostalgia, although that's fun. It's not, about, it's not even about getting together with family, although that's great. Christmas, from a biblical standpoint, the reason we celebrate Christmas is that God gave us, in Christ, the greatest gift that you and I could ever receive. And it's good news of great joy. And the Bible tells us it's for all people. So not just a select few, not just the people that got it together, not just the people that are in this room. It's for you. It's for the you sitting next to you. And it's for the one who's not here yet. And so, but here's what's so cool. God calls his shot 700 years before Jesus even shows up on the scene. Here's what the prophet Isaiah said. By the Spirit of God, he says this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so if you're taking notes today, first and foremost, we need to remember the fact that Jesus came as God's gift. Jesus came as God's gift. And I don't know if you've thought about the fact that Jesus is a gift. It's kind of a weird way to think about Jesus. But Jesus is God's gift to you. And it's unmerited favor and it's grace in the form of of flesh and blood. And he, he made his love tangible in the presence of Christ. But it's his gift to you and I. As a matter of fact, uh, the Bible tells us over 40 times in the New Testament 
that Jesus is referred to as God's gift. So for, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. He's given. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul says, hey, I'm going to spend a lifetime trying to describe to people the gift that is Jesus. I'm not going to do it justice. He's indescribable. The only way, according to the Apostle Paul, to really understand the gift that is Jesus is to experience him for yourself. So you can talk a lot about him. We can give attributes. We can tell stories. We can do all that kind of stuff. And Paul says it doesn't quite hit. It, it, it doesn't hit the way that just experiencing him for yourself, that's the only way to really know him. And so we want people to know God so they can find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. We want people to understand that Jesus is God's gift to them. And, and more than any other time of year, that message comes alive for us in this season. And so I love it because um, Paul says this gift is indescribable. I actually think that you and I, in new heaven, new earth, new creation, stepping into eternity, 10,000 years from now, when we're worshiping, when we're hanging out, we're, when we're partying for Jesus, like that we still will lack the vocabulary, the words, the ways to describe how amazing he is, how good he is, how great our God is. And so Paul says, yeah, he's indescribable. He's an indescribable gift. And God chooses to express the gift of Jesus in a way that's so simple that every single person can understand what God has given us in Christ. And I believe this is the reason the Bible tells us why Jesus came so that we could experience the fullness of God, but in the person of Jesus. Probably the best known uh, verse in your Bible, best quoted verse of all time, John 3, 16. It says this, For God so loved the world that he, he gave, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, not quoted as much, equally as good. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God didn't send um, Jesus as judgment. God didn't send Jesus as a condemner. God sent Jesus as one who would restore so that the world would be saved through him is the reason why Jesus came. And so Jesus came as God's gift. But then the, the verse goes on and it, it describes the gift. So it's like it's one thing for us to be like, yeah, Jesus is a gift. That's awesome. But here's the ways that he, here's what that gift means for me and you. Look at verse 6. Go on in, in, in Isaiah 9. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus came to lift our burdens. Jesus came to lift our burdens. And the government will be on his shoulders. That is such an encouraging word to me going into an election season. I'm just going, I ain't, I'm, I'm not even going to pull punches today. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm just so grateful that the government's on his shoulders. And so we sing about Jesus being the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and that's, this is what it's referring to. The apostle Paul says this about Jesus in Philippians 2. Paul says, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every knee should bow. Every tongue, uh, and, and in heaven and earth and, and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee should bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And Paul's like, you don't understand. It's a non-negotiable. You don't even have to, you don't have to, you don't even have to concede the point. You don't have to affirm it. You don't have to believe it. It doesn't matter who you are. 
It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity. doesn't matter if you're king or queen. doesn't matter if you're president, past, present, future. If you're governing class, doesn't matter if you're too cool. None of that matters. One day, your knee will hit the floor, and your mouth will say, Jesus is king. And so he says, hey, he's going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to come back in such a way that everybody's like, yeah, he's in charge, right? So, like, he's, yeah, he's in charge. King of kings is what he says. And so Jesus came, uh, and the government will be on his shoulders. And it's not just about Jesus being the king of kings or lord of lords, but it's also, it's not about just the expanse of his reign, but also how he's going to reign as king of kings. Look at two verses right before verse 6 in the same passage. Here's how Jesus reigns. He says, you have shattered, talking about Jesus, the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. So Jesus comes to deliver us. Jesus comes as Savior. Isn't it amazing that God knows that you and I need a Savior and need a deliverer? And in Christ, we have one who breaks the yoke of slavery and gives us over to a place of freedom. So you don't have to continue to struggle with the same things you struggle with. We don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to be, you don't have to live in a place of shame. But Jesus is a gift to me and you to lift our burden. The Bible tells us to cast our cares on him. And then right after that, it says, because he cares for you. I love that. Cast your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you and he watches over, over you with deep affection. And so his, I don't know what you brought in. I don't know what burden you carry. I don't know what you've been struggling with in this season. I know this season, it, it pulls out a lot of things. Uh, it's high stress. We're thinking about loved ones, maybe have family and friends that have passed or are struggling in a broken season of life. I don't know what your burdens are, but he came to make them lighter. And, and so uh, it, the thought is, whatever it is that I'm going through, instead of me carrying it in my own strength, why don't I, why don't I, why don't I invite the king of kings why don't I invite one who is sovereign over everything into what I'm dealing with so that I'm not handling it in my own strength? Because Jesus came to lift my burden. But Jesus came also to meet my deepest needs. He came to meet our deepest needs. This is why he came. God, God knew what we needed. He knew what we needed. And, and then he describes what we need in the rest of Isaiah 9. He says that Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. And when God gives us Jesus with the gift of Christ comes not just pity, but a wonderful counselor. And that's good news that brings great joy. Because you and I, I have people in my life, maybe, maybe you've had this moment, where you go and you share with someone just like really broken season and you're just like opening up and you're just real vulnerable and you're just like life is hard and you're like ugly crying on somebody. And, and they don't really know what to do with it because they're not a wonderful counselor. So they're just like, man, that stinks, bro. I don't really know, like, good luck with that. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Like, can you imagine if that was the response that we have? But in Christ, we have a wonderful counselor. So not only does he see the problem, but he is the answer. He's the resolution to our problems. And so he, he's, he's a wonderful counselor. Uh, John 1, 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And so John says, hey, here's Jesus. Jesus is the word. And, and we have a wonderful counselor in Jesus, 
Because he's the word of God. And the word in the original, that phrase, the word in the original language means logos. It's where we get the, it's where we get the phrase logic. And for the Greeks, they just thought, man, there's got to be something. There's got to be some reasoning, some logic, some understanding for why things are the way they are. Something that holds it all together. And John says, yeah, that's Jesus. He's the word. And he came and he positioned himself. He actually stepped into humanity. And he, his desire was to be with us. And his desire is also, also to rescue us. And he's a wonderful counselor. He says, he says, Jesus is the fullness, your Bible, your translation probably says, the fullness of grace and truth. So he's the fullest expression of both. Truth, which, which when we see truth and we hear truth, sometimes it'll, it'll feel condemning or it'll feel judgmental. And that's not the heart of God at all. But his desire is to free you from the things that you're enslaved to. And so he tells you this is truth. But Jesus doesn't just leave it with truth because that would just be, that would be terrible. If he was just like, yeah, you, you're a mess. You're a hot mess. All right. So like that, if that was all he had, that, that wouldn't work for us. But he's the fullness of grace. And so he's a wonderful counselor because he addresses what needs to be addressed. But he's also the resolution to our problems and our issues and our sin. And so Isaiah it says he's not only a wonderful counselor, he's a mighty God. Verse 6, if you look at verse 6, he's a mighty God. In the Hebrew, it would have, it would have been the word uh, warrior God. So basically, he's a champion. He's a champion of champions. He's the one to come to your rescue. He's the victorious one, which is such an encouragement because it's a reminder that Jesus has victory over everything. And by way of Christ, you and I have victory over everything in Jesus. And so it's such an encouragement that he's the mighty one. I don't know, um, I don't know if you th if, think about the way that God decided to deliver this package, right? The way that God decided to deliver the mail and, and presence himself among us. A wonderful counselor, a mighty God, but in the form of a baby. Like, I don't know what you think of when you think of might. I don't think of infants. You know what I mean? Like little squishy babies. You just want to hold them and smell them and... You know, just like, and, and, but he's just like, hey, is it, is, in, in real humility, God presences. And, and think about this. He shows up at, in, in a, a pretty bleak season of life, shows up in a crazy way. Mary and Joseph, the, the miraculous birth. She's a virgin giving birth to him. They're betrothed. They're engaged. Joe's got questions. They're having conversations with parents. It gets awkward. And then they're like, hey, Joseph's like, hey, I, don't, I can't add much to this. Right. Because fellas, how, you know, how many of you know, like if your wife's pregnant at a certain point, you're just like, I don't really know what like you got this. I don't really know what else to do. Like I can I can maybe guess what you're craving or, you know, like something like that or just help you with breathing exercise. You don't really want me to do that. You just and so like but at some point you got this. And so Joe's like, what is my contribution to this? This kid's not even mine. Technically, I'm going to you know, I'm a carpenter. I'm going to build him a great nursery. And then they're like, since this time, he's like, come on. You know, like he has to go to Bethlehem, can't even use the nursery. And there's no room in the inn. Uh, nobody planned. You know, Joe didn't plan well. You know what I'm saying? There's no hotel reservations, no Airbnbs. And, and they're out of pocket. And they get there. There's no place. And so they end up in a stable. Uh, and what we know about this time is probably hillside, cave. And so the Son of God comes in the form of a baby, in a manger, in the most humble of settings. For those of you that are pregnant or in that season of life, you've been there. You know, like if you have your birthing plan, hay is not a part of the conversation. 
I like a couple sheep, you know what I'm saying? A donkey, some manure would be great. Like if you could just, it's awesome. That's what I'm thinking. Like, and, and so the Son of God presences himself in such a humble way, but he is a mighty God. And, and I love that. He shows up with a different level, uh, just a different level of might. And this is, uh, this is Colossians 1. Here's what Paul says about him. He says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and making peace through his blood shed on the cross. All the power that is God's was shared with us when Jesus came. Let that hit. The fullness of God dwelled in the Son and, 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 and walked among us. And, and the power of God, the might of God is put on display in the person of Jesus. And so we were gifted we were gifted by Jesus so we would not be powerless in this world. We wouldn't have to live in fear or be intimidated by things like sin and death because we have, we have the power of a mighty God. So, I don't, again, I don't know what you face. I don't know what the diagnosis was. I don't, know, I don't know how hard it is financially. I don't know how broken your relationship or your marriage feels. I don't know where you're at, but we serve a mighty God. And so not only is he a wonderful counselor who will give you the fullness of God's wisdom, but he'll also move in ways on your behalf that only he can get credit for. He's a mighty God. Uh, but he's also, he keeps going on in this passage. He says he's an everlasting father. He's an everlasting father. God the Father sends the Son so that you could also experience the Father. How crazy is this? And so the gift of Jesus is also this gift of fatherhood, this gift of identity. I find my identity in Jesus. I find my provision in Jesus. I find my protection in Jesus. God builds a culture in me through Jesus. And so uh, this, is, this is what Jesus is doing. And, and Philip, uh, one of the followers of Jesus in John 14, Philip says, Jesus, if you would just help us to see the Father. Like if we could just experience Father God, man, that would be great. And Jesus' response, you go look it up in John 14. Jesus says, Phil, if you see me, you see the Father. I and the Father are one. And so I'm the fullness of God dwelling among you. And I love that, that God is also an everlasting Father. And so uh, what's cool about this is every time we see Jesus in Scripture, every time we see the compassion of Jesus for people, that reveals to us the heart of God. Every time, every time we see the mercy and the grace that Jesus offers, it reveals to us the heart of God. That every, every single time we see just Jesus move in Scripture, we see, we see he's, he's strong, but he's under control. He's gentle. That's like the Father. All of the justice that Jesus stands for has always been the heart of God. And so whether you have the benefit of a good and a godly father, this side of eternity Every single one of us in Jesus can define for ourselves what fatherhood should look like. That is, he, he is intimate. He cares about the things that you're going through. He's not neglectful. He, he wants to know. He, he wants to hear from you. And he's not indifferent. He's interested in you. That a good father would understand your weakness and love you anyway. That a good father, that a good father wouldn't turn his back on you in your time of need. This is Jesus. He's an everlasting father. 
People have this idea that God has turned away from them. Um, people who are struggling because they're going through hard things. People have like a retributive justice idea of the gospel, which is like damning and not, not working. So if you have more of a religious mindset, if I do good things, I'll get good results, you know, and, and there are ways to apply the wisdom of God to your life and experience the fullness of what he has for you. But Jesus also says you'll experience trials. You'll experience suffering. You will experience these things this side of eternity. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And so people who go through hard things sometimes, they go, man, why am I going through this hard thing? God must be mad at me. God, he must not love me. Or we'll compare ourselves or our experience to somebody else's experience and think, man, uh, God loves them. He loves them more because of some of the decisions maybe that you've made or some of the sin in your life or the brokenness in your life. But Jesus is a gift and he's an everlasting father. And as you listen, any good parent, you know, when your kid's struggling, what do you do? You're like, well, get it together, bro. Like, that's not what you do. You're like, you're like, you care all the more. If you, if you hear that the things that they say is a little off, the way that they carry themselves is a little off, or they're just going through a really hard season, there's a compassion and an empathy for your child. You care more about what they're going through in that season. You are loving and you're more present in that season than even seasons where everything's good and everything's right. And so this is, this is the everlasting father. This is what we have in Jesus. Psalm 103 puts it this way. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we're only dust. Jesus understands our frailty. This is the reason why he walks among us. This is the reason why he experiences humanity for himself. So that he can intercede. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that we have a high priest in Jesus who intercedes on our behalf. Jesus is interceding for you right now, Jesus follower. How amazing is that? And he's able because he came and, 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 he, and he's such a gift. He's, he's an everlasting father. And so, but he also says this in verse six. He says he's the prince of peace. So wonderful counselor. The, all the wisdom of God, mighty God, doesn't matter what I'm going through in life. Like God is sovereign. He's over it. He's in control. I trust him. Everlasting father. Nobody has loved you or seen you the way that God loves you and sees you. And even the things that you want for yourself pale in comparison to the things that God wants for you. Because we have an everlasting father, but we also have a prince of peace. And uh, this word peace in the original language, the whole idea of shalom or peace for the Hebrew is we, the way that you and I think of it in like in a modern, you know, American English version of peace. We tend to think of peace as just the absence of conflict. Like if everybody could chill, we'd be good. OK, don't especially this time of year when you get together with extended family, see what see what pops off. But you get everybody in the same room and, you know, everybody's ego and, you know, and, and, and you're like, we got to get a bigger house next year so that we can all have our separate space and kids can have their iPads or whatever. But you're just you're just trying to control the chaos. If everybody, you know, if we could just not have a fist fight, that'd be great uh, over the holidays. It'd be awesome. But just the avoidance of or the absence of conflict is our idea of peace, except to the Hebrew that wasn't their idea of peace. Peace wasn't the absence of something. Peace was the presence of something. Peace was the presence of God's blessing on your life. And it was the presence of God's blessing of your life. He wanted to bless your whole self. Your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, 
That's shalom, which is a supernatural peace. The Bible refers to it as a peace that nobody can really understand. It's just weird that they would be going through what they're going through, that they would have that diagnosis, that they would experience what they've experienced. People have betrayed them, that they would lose, you know, experience loss the way they've experienced loss. Man, just, you know, natural disaster ripped away everything. And, and yet peace in the middle of a storm, in the middle. So it's not subject to your circumstances. It's not subject to your environment. It's not subject to other people. It's just the peace of God. It's shalom in the midst of chaos. And this is what Jesus, God says, hey, I want to give you a gift, and I want to give you real peace. And so I, I love it. I love that this is, what's, this is what God gives us in Jesus, that he would lift our burdens, that he would give us over to the wisdom of God. He's the fullness of the wisdom of God, that he would do things in our lives, miraculous works. He's a mighty God. He can do, he can do anything. And, and, and that he would father us the way that we need to be, and that he would give us over to a supernatural peace. And uh, God, God tells us this 700 years before Jesus even shows up on the scene. 700 years. And then Luke chapter 2, Christmas passage that we use a lot. Jesus shows up on the scene. People have been waiting. No one expected the Messiah to roll up the way that he rolled up. Again, pretty humble uh, uh, circumstances attached to the birth and the arrival of Jesus. And they've made their way to Bethlehem. And they're in this cave stable. And they place the baby in the manger. And now a multitude of angels show up to sing of his arrival. Look at this in Luke 2, 8 through 12. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory Shown, it surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. Hey, God has given you a gift in his son, and this gift is good news, and it will bring you great joy, and it is for all people. And I love that Jesus... He shows up on the scene. God chooses to give us his son, and he doesn't announce it to the ruling elite, and he doesn't announce it to the governing class, and he doesn't announce it to the people in authority, and he doesn't announce it to the rich or the pretty or any of that kind of stuff. He's just like, hey, just average Joe's on the hillside. Who am I going to announce it to first? These shepherds. That's where we're going. We're going with shepherds, okay? And like an army of angels show up, to announce the birth of Christ and the gift that God has given. And I love that God chooses just ordinary people, just ordinary people to do his work. It's such an encouragement to me. It ought to be an encouragement to you. That God sees you, he loves you, he's calling you into his story and desires to use you in profound ways. He does that with them in the story. Verse 11, it says, the angel says, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you're going to recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And this is God's gift. This is God's gift to you. This is God's gift to the you next to you. This is God's gift to the one who's not here yet. It's good news that brings great joy. And it's for everybody. Bible tells us whosoever will may come. 
But in order, in order to, in order to experience this gift, you got to receive this gift. And and it's it's a little bit crazy to me that at this time of year, and just in general, as I think about this gift exchange, you know how you do gift exchange, you know, and it's always awkward. Like I don't know what to buy them. Make me a list. Or or you're a really good gift giver. You're intentional. You're a good listener. You're ready. You're loaded. It's always a little bit, you're a little bit stressed out about gift exchange. Um, and I'm thinking about what, what God offers us in Christ as a wonderful counselor, as a mighty God, as an everlasting father, as a prince of peace, and the gift that is Jesus, your salvation that God has given you, your life that God has given you, the eternity that God has given us. And then the question I'm asking myself is like, what do you give in response to that. It's a bit sobering. It's like, and and the answer is you. He wants you. And he doesn't want you to go through the motions and he doesn't want you to play church and he doesn't want you to check a box and he doesn't want you to do things for the sake of doing things. He wants more of you. If you don't do anything else, if you're not leaning into anything else that we ask in this season, just give God more of yourself and watch him move in powerful ways in your life. But like really surrender your life, your agenda. Like put your full weight and trust and faith on the things of God. Apply his words and his promises to your life and then watch what happens. Give him your time. Give him your relationships. Give him your motivation for the things that you do. Give him your treasure. Give him your resources. Give him, your, give him everything that you got and just say, God, I trust you with it. Would you help me? Would you lead me by your spirit? Would you give me counsel? You're wise. Would you give me counsel? God, would you do things in my life only you can get credit for? You're mighty. God, would you father me? Would you shepherd me? Would you help me to not feel isolated? But I need a real identity outside of what I do for the appraisal of others, outside of my idea of success, outside of whatever the world has to offer. I need your protection, your provision, your identity, and I need the peace that only you can offer. And so I believe that as we're thinking through, as we're praying through the end of the year, man, what can I give God? Just give God yourself. Hey, towards the end of this year, in, 20, in 2023, and stepping into 2024, fully surrender your life to Jesus and watch God move powerfully. Because guess what happens? When you do it, it will get on everybody in your life. Your, your, your spouse, your friends, your roommate, your sister, you're like, everybody's like, what is going on? And it's just, man, God is doing a transforming work on the inside of you so that he can do one through you. And you have good news of great joy for all the people that you come into contact with. That's our prayer this season. So on Legacy Sunday, would you just think about that? What's my legacy? What do I want God to do in my life in 2024? What am I praying for? What am I believing God to do in and through me? If you want to give, give. If you're new to our church family, don't feel obligated at all. If you call Psalm home, just pray. What's my portion, God? What do you want me to do? And then do whatever God asks you to do. It never fails. And then let's just collectively make a difference in the lives of people because his desire is that many would come to know him. And and we believe that's what God's going to do in and through us in this season. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much 
for your word, grateful for the opportunity to gather, grateful for Christmas. Such an amazing time of year. Such a beautiful time of year. People begin to express generosity in ways that we really should all year long, but it just comes alive in this season, God. It's a season full of hope, full of expectation. And God, we pray a season that has good news attached to some great joy. We all desire to experience more of that. God, we know generosity is our joy because we give to what we love. And you so loved us, you gave. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. And there is nothing we could ever do That we, there's nothing we could ever give that would be on par with, with you. We cannot give you. You've given us so much in Jesus. The grace offered, the life changed, the shift in perspective. God, the hope attached to his finished work, not ours. But would you stir our faith and our affection for the one another's, for the people next to us, for the people who aren't here, for the ways that you desire to move in and through our community. God, help us just to, to trust you more with every area of our life. God, help us to surrender. Help us to give you in the gift exchange. Help us to just give you more of ourselves. If you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you can do all kinds of religious activity. You can attend church for a long time, but Jesus saves you. His finished work has already saved you. And the moment of your personal salvation is when you realize what he's done on your behalf. And then you surrender your life to him. And so if you're here today and you would love to commit your life to Christ, you would love to surrender your life to Jesus. I'm not talking about part of it. I'm talking about I'm going all in, God, on faith. I'm just believing that you are who you say you are. I want to experience salvation today. With all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if that's you today, would you just lift your hand in the room and say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to come alive in him. I want to commit my life to Christ. Amen. Is there anybody else? If that's you, just lift your hand and say, I need that. I need what God has to offer. Amen. Praise God. Awesome. Okay. For those who have raised their hands and for those who didn't, but you just feel God moving on you in this moment. It's not a hand raised. It's not a mark card. It's not any of that. It's Jesus that changes your life. It's Jesus that saves you. It's Jesus that frees you. It's Jesus that helps you to discover uh, your purpose and experience fulfillment to make a difference in the world around you. So right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I love you. I'm so grateful for this moment. I'm grateful for the opportunity to go all in. I surrender. I take my sins, past, present, and future, God, my broken self, and I offer that. I just lay that at your feet. I know you want more of me, and it doesn't make sense. For everything you've given me, that's what you want, but that's what you want. And so I turn. I repent. I change. God, by your word and by your spirit, would you lead me moving forward? Give me over to the abundant life that you paid for. Thank you for your life, your death, and your resurrection. Thank you that you came as an infant so that you could die on a cross and be resurrected and come back again as king of kings so that I could experience the fullness of life, this side of eternity and into new heaven, new earth, new creation. God, grateful for the way that you love us. Thank you for the greatest gift any of us have ever received. Lord, we're grateful for Jesus. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen and amen. Church, let's stand to our feet. And can we celebrate all that God's done, just salvations and people, life change and people shift in perspective.